Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of the Lord that engages us this morning is from the, uh, from the prophet Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, beginning at the first verse. And there you have it. (laughs) From Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was on me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood upon their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Some days it feels like we have no wind in our sails whatsoever, that things are kind of out of control, and and, and we're not going anywhere. We're kind of listless and wondering what's going to happen. For some of us, we may have spent an entire 16 months like that, where every time we get a little bit of wind, a little bit of breeze, a little bit of something, it's just not sustaining and not sustainable. And sometimes we've got twisted up in that. Life has caused us to go one direction and the wind has blown us another. And we've said, I think this is the way to go and I think this is where we should go and I think this is what I should do, only to be twisted around a pole again and say, I'm not sure what direction I'm going. 
And all the while, life continues to move on. It takes an amazing amount of work to kind of get the sail of our lives unknotted and, and, and ready to go. And, and all the while, we're kind of fixing stuff and, and trying to get things to, to straighten out and work right. All the while, we're blowing more and more off of course. For me, that's somewhat of a helpless feeling. Had it all figured out, knew where I was going, know what was going on, and all of a sudden, another squall came, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. In our text today from Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14, the sovereign Lord speaks over and over again to the prophet, and he says, speak of breath. Bring breath and animation and life and inspiration to dry bones. And I'm fairly certain that in 57 years, I never really felt what dry bones were like up until the last year. And even then, it's a stretch because he still had life and vitality and nation and all of those things. There's been a couple of mornings where I've kind of rolled out of bed and I've looked at my wife and I've said, Honey, I am bone tired today. She smiles and puts a very cold foot on my calf and says, get to work, let's go. But Jesus speaking, the Lord speaking to through His prophet, is speaking at a very difficult time in Israel's history. Israel had linked together their, their nationalism with their faith life. They had things now that were going bonkers the powerful country of Egypt coming from below, the powerful country of Assyria coming from above, and little Israel in deep trouble in the middle. Neither the Egyptians nor the Assyrians, great people, but they did take the 10,000 most weighty, heavy people in terms of education and wisdom and influence and carted them off to Babylon and left a remnant there in Israel. And then the end of the temple. The temple, the focus of the presence of God. You want to find God, go to the temple. You need to make your sacrifices. You need to do your thing. But the temple is closed. The church is closed. Now what do we, now what do, we do? All coming back to the question, where is God? And what is God going to do now that life really stinks? And that bad people are doing bad things. The nation is faltered. And it feels like we're being suffocated. There's no wind in our sails. So the Lord said, breathe. In the Hebrew, he said, ruach. Now, if I had a little bit more Hebrew in seminary, I'd be able to say ruach, like a real Hebrew, but I can't. Ruach, the German accent. He said, breathe on these bones. Ruach, breathe out the breath of God on these bones. They're going to come together. They're going to have life. They're going to have animation. It's going to be skin and flesh and tendons and ligaments. Prophesy, son of man, that the breath, that the ruach of God would come upon this field of dead, dry bones. Ruah. Ruah, meaning spirit. Ruah, meaning breath. One in the same there. The breath of life is the words of God. The same way with the word penuma in the Holy Spirit. Breath and inspiration. Breath and spirit, one in the same. The breath of God, the breath 
brings life and animation to those bones. The Ruah Elohim, as it goes out among us this morning, whether here in person or through our digital platform on YouTube, no matter how that Word of God breathes out, it brings the presence of God to all who breathe it in. And so God points the prophet forward, not backwards. He says, we got stuff to do here, big guy. Prophesy. Breathe your breath out. And when you breathe out those words, breathe out what I'm going to tell you. And breathe out that the Spirit of God brings life and animation to all upon whom that breath is given. That the dead are made alive. That life that has no sense of wind in the sails finds inspiration. And point them forward to the Messiah, Ezekiel. Breathe on them that, that they may recall the, the promise of the Lord to bring the Messiah to bear, that my people will be redeemed. From the Garden of Eden on, God was marching to bring the Messiah to bear. Remind them, prophets, speak to them the words that I have given to you. I have not abandoned my promise and left my people isolated. That's not the kind of spirit I'm breathing out. Remind them and point them forward to better days and deliver to them, breathe upon them a sense of hope. And so in verses 13 and 14, Ezekiel points them to what's going to really happen. Not to the victory of the Assyrians and the defeat of the Egyptians. Not to the remnant of the country and the pain that they're going to have. The Spirit points Ezekiel and his hearers to the ultimate victory of open graves, of the dead being raised, of the exiles being brought home. Hold on to these promises because it's not going to be a turnaround trip to Babylon. You're going to be there for a while. But ultimately, the Lord says, I will bring you All of that presupposing something that we need to hear today. Something that, that kind of we need to draw from these exiles and from this time into our own hearts. And that is that God's power is active. God is not sitting and waiting and wondering in some sort of neutral, weird thing. God is working and active in the history of His people. His hand, His fingerprints, His guidance, His voice all working here and now, sometimes very overtly, sometimes very quietly. But even as the people were being carried off into exile, the Lord was bringing through the generations the gift of His Messiah and fulfilling His Word and fulfilling His promise and breathing out His Spirit even as they were miles and miles away from the temple and their homeland. And he worked in politics. How about that? Not maybe in the way that Republicans and Democrats would think, but he worked through politics to preserve his people. Instead of the Egyptians coming and wiping them out, there were people that were taken away who when they brought, were brought back were, were the leaders of the people, rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the walls. And remembering the narrative and the story of God's people, breathing on their children and their children's children, the promise of the Messiah. And the Spirit working in the lives of people like us, like Daniel, like Shadrach, like Meshach and Abednego, 
like every person who made a living in Babylon and did what they had to do, living under an oppressive regime, but finding meaning not in the narrative of the regime, but the narrative in the breath of God. Even without a temple, they were the people of the Lord. Even without a sanctuary for a year, we are the people of God, beloved in Jesus Christ. So the Spirit breathes out upon us here and now this morning. The Spirit is the one who points us to Christ, says, don't look there, don't look there, look here. Don't look at that. Don't get taken aback. Look, look, look to Jesus. Look to the cross. He's the one. He's the Messiah. He's the one who's come to take away the sins of the world. And we breathe out the good news, the gospel of, of God's grace and His presence. It's that spirit that continues to remind us of the love and the kindness of God. When you feel alone and isolated, and when we gather back in community, He breathes the good news of God's favor upon us, pointing us from that cross to that open tomb, and restoring to us the reality of God's active work here and now. The Ruah Elohim has not been bottled up since Pentecost, but the Ruah Elohim, the Spirit of God, has gone out upon the world. And the message of Jesus that is ours this morning is in language after language and people group after people group across the whole face of God's created world. And the Spirit breathes on us this morning in English. and He breathes into us the hope of God who kept His promises. I will bring my people back. I will raise them from their graves. I will bring life to them. So too, God does not abandon His promises to us as He breathes out on us and points us heavenward as well. What a marvelous gift Pentecost Sunday is for us as the Spirit breathes out and puts wind in our sails as we look at kind of a transitional moment in the history of our lives, at the history of our, our region, our county, our state, our church, and the Spirit blows out the breath. And instead of that sail being twisted around, as God breathes in, our, our community becomes more activated, our community becomes more filled with the Spirit of God. And God's Word speaks not a word of isolation and judgment, but God's Word speaks a word of grace and presence to us here and now. The Spirit of God is living and active in your hearts and in your lives. Sometimes simply to help you lift your chin up and see a higher purpose and a higher meaning. Sometimes to make you look to the left or the right to someone who may need what you have. And sometimes to catch that gaze heavenward so that we can be reminded of the ultimate victory and who is who and what is what and when is when and that God has not abandoned his people but as certainly as he rose from the dead for us he brings to us life and immortality I always love to think of what that Pentecost Sunday would be like from Acts chapter 2. What in the world was Peter thinking? He did not have the, 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 the marvelous degrees that I have from a Concordia college and from Concordia seminary. But he could bait a hook and throw a net. He knew how to work. 
I always picture Peter's hands as kind of gnarled, maybe with a little arthritis even as a younger guy because of his work with the nets with no hoist and no hydraulics and all that stuff. I figure when Peter went to bed at night after fishing, he is pretty tired and pretty sore and pretty beat up. Throughout the gospel, Peter is a very simple man. Peter is led by appetites and passions. When it's barely time to stand up and speak, Peter's up talking, la, 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 la. At one point in his ministry, Peter stands up and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Two breaths later, Jesus says, Peter, be quiet. You are Satan. Get behind me and leave me alone. And now with the animation of the Spirit, as the Spirit blows out into and upon Peter and that crew, he stands up and the guts and the heart of his Pentecost sermon is right there in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. In an age where the messaging is so important, the optics seem to drive what the narrative will be. The Spirit breathes His breath into the sails of our life and moves us upon the waters of our time. And the message is distinct. And the message stands apart from the culture because it points us to Jesus and something grander and bigger than perhaps our eyes have been on over the last months. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen? Amen.